I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop podcast. To find out about our upcoming events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the London Review Bookshop. It's a great pleasure to welcome back Chantal Mouffe to present her latest book towards a green democratic revolution recently published by Verso. She'll be in conversation tonight with James Schneider, um, political organiser and activist, co-founder of Momentum and author of Our Block, also published by Verso. Well, thank you very much for the invitation and, uh, well, um, good evening to everybody and sorry to be late, but, uh, well, that showed the difficulties of b b uh, not having to use the um, neoliberal practice here because uh, the question is that uh, Verso had booked a taxi for, uh, official taxi for six o'clock, you know, a so lot of time to be on. Uh, but, of course, at 6.30, the, the taxi had not arrived. So in catastrophe, uh, they, they made a book on Uber. Things that we always try to avoid because we are against their own practices. The question is that, no, it's almost impossible to avoid that. You know, it's in, in case, like, in the same thing we had, for instance, with, uh, the, well, particularly during the um, pandemia, uh, I'm against uh, uh, Amazon. I'm trying not to use Amazon. But of course, the adverse situation, it was almost impossible to survive now. I mean, I think today is very difficult. We are so much, you know, uh, in the middle of neoliberal practices that we, we, they are impossible to absolutely avoid those. So, you know, it really, it shows that, that the difficulties, and this is why I should have been here much earlier, but those taxes, you know, did not, thanks God, we could, we have, um, Uber and the rescue, but you know, in principle, it's not something which I particularly favor, as you can imagine. Okay, so uh, we are here to uh, discuss, with uh, Jim and I, about, uh, well, not only my uh, recent book, but also his recent book, Our Block, with, with there. Uh, in fact, those two books are interven political intervention in the present conjuncture. Uh, of course, in my case, it was intervention thinking, but not exclusively or even particularly uh, from a British perspective, uh, more from a European one. Uh, James, in fact, his book is much more centered 
on the question of situation here in, in Britain, but we are in fact dealing with a very similar problem and, and in, in the, the solution that we propose are also, you know, we need a lot of what we can call uh, family resemblance bet between them. Uh, so uh, we've decided that you know, we were going to really have a conversation about, about our books, so it's not going to be centered on, on my, my, my book. Uh, but of course, you know, there are lots, lots of points in, in, in common in our type of intervention. But I will want to begin asking uh, James, because I think this is something which for me is always very important, uh, since something with their intervention in a specific conjuncture, the board books. Um, and I would like to know, um, James, what motivated you to, to, uh, to write that book? You know, I, I, I feel that there was some kind of uh, pressure to, to say, it's time to have a voice and to say what we think. So can you explain to us what was in your intention, uh, what pushed you, you know, the impulse that pushed you to write the, the book? Yeah, of course. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Um, uh, I wrote uh, that book uh, against the what felt like the overwhelming melancholy and defeatism uh, across the left after we got smashed in 2019 and then lost the leadership of the Labour Party and everything seemed quite, uh, quite grim. And, you know, I wanted to write against that, uh, against that miserabilism, in part because, um, as I think I write, des despair is a betrayal. There's nothing useful that we can, we can get out of that. But also, I think it's objectively not right. I think that we're, there's too much um, beating ourselves up uh, or that the strategies that are commonly put forward. So I outlined three at the beginning of the book have commonly been put forward. And to me, they are all defeated retreats to the status quo ante, how things were uh, in 2015 before um, Corbyn got on the ballot and we sort of accidentally took over uh, running the Labour Party. So it, it's trying to provide a, a very practical, optimistic, but, but realistic uh, plan for how, and yeah, as Chantal says, it's 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 very it's only focused on Britain, although I'm sure that there are some elements of uh, of it that could be could be applicable to other to other contexts. And the hope uh, from it is that people will take it and then try to apply it to what's going on now. So what's going on now with the trying to bring together the cost of living crisis and the climate crisis into one line of of activism efforts that we'll probably discuss more about, uh, trying to unite uh, different workers on strike with climate direct action, with people not paying their bills and um, mutual aid, all of which we're seeing much more of. And I think over the next few months, especially, these things are going to, to reach something of a peak. So that's, that was my motivation for, for writing. What was your motivation? Well, my motivation was um, twofold. And in fact, the, the title of the book indicate that, you know, it's a Thomas a Green Democratic Revolution, a subtitle, uh, Left Populism and the uh, Power of Affects. Um, well, I will say that um, probably the, 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 the central question was, I wanted to show and argue that the strategy of left populism was still 
very, you know, pertinent for the situation today because there's been a lot of talks uh, by people saying, oh, left populism was a parenthesis. And of course, they say, look, for instance, Mélenchon in France, but that was, of course, just before his change of, of uh, um, his better position. But they say Corbyn, Podemos in, in um, Spain, um, well, Syriza, all those have, have failed, they have failed, failed to arrive to power. So, I mean, this is, was a parenthesis, left populism. We should not go back, go back to more traditional kind of uh, left politics. Well, I was very much against that. I wanted to argue that this was still the, the best strategy for the left today. Um, even in those new circumstances, because I, I acknowledge we are not anymore in the hot populist moment, the moment in which I wrote uh, for a left populist sense. You know, it's really a, a sequel, we could say, or a revisiting of for a left populism, the previous book, to the situation today. And, and so that, of course, there are things that need to be adapted. Uh, and in fact, we are going to speak about that because it's everything that has got to do with the climate emergency. Um, but, you know, the strategy in itself is, is still the strategy that is really necessary for, for the left. Um, and another motivation, which of course is, 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 is linked, but uh, which is in fact a whole preoccupation of mine. I've been you know, really uh, writing so much about that that at some point I was thinking, but I'm always saying the same thing since the last 10 years, you know, and, and it's true, I think. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been obsessed with the role of affects in politics, but what I, I used to call you, well, I still call it, but uh, passion. And by passion, of course, I want to insist that here I'm, I'm referring to a specific type of affects, what common affects, because, you know, not, not any type of affects or, uh, are relevant for politics. Uh, common effects and common effects particularly who are at stake in the creation of collective identities. Because one of the points which I think is very important for me is that to understand that politics is necessarily uh, something that uh, implied mobilization of passion. Politics is a distinction between us and them. You know, I, I don't, of course, not, not everybody agree with that, but I think and that's really something which is absolutely important and a strong point in the conception of left populism. Because often I was also asked, but why is it that, you know, look what has happened with left populism? They've been defeated or they are not going to go while right-wing populism is striving. How do you explain that? And I will say, for me, and I'm, I'm really convinced of that, is because the left doesn't have an adequate conception of politics. Uh, the, the left believe, believe that uh, mobilizing passion, this is something that, no, 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 we, we on the left don't do that. We only use this argument, you know, and mobilizing passion, uh, that's for what the right is doing in, you know, basically the, the, the fascist right. And also they believe that, you know, no, why should we uh, have to distinguish between us and them? So often I'm asked, but why can't we just create an or inclusive them uh, uh, us. Why can't we just all be part of, of the us? And I'm saying, well, unfortunately, this does not work because this is not what politics is about. Politics is necessarily partisan. It's, it's really the question of creating an us, but that implies determining an, an adversary. There is no politics without that. 
And again, you know, that's a question which I think, unfortunately, the right understand much better than, than the left. Because the, 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 the left tend to have a very concept, consensual conception of politics. You know, we should all, all agree. I think, for instance, and this is what I want to argue that in the present uh, circumstances of uh, uh, climate emergency, a left populist strategy is very important because it is important to realize that people who are you know, engaged in the, the struggle for what I would call an ecological bifurcation, and I think here we are well, with uh, the, um, James, we certainly agree on that, but uh, for instance, among the ecological movement, I think that there are too many people who see that in a consensual way. I mean, and many ecological parties, I find, they don't want to construct an adversary. They believe that, well, this is a question that we should all agree on that because it concerns us all. Well, unfortunately, I think they are. There will always be people who are going to oppose the, the measures which are necessary for an ecological uh, bifurcation. And it's important for the, the, the also, for instance, the, the activists on uh, the climate, uh, climate emergency to realize that. They are, the fossil fuel industries are not going to disappear like that. They are to say, oh yeah, no, that's not good. No, we, they will have to be fought. And again, I think that's a question which left populism really put in, in, uh, in you know, on the forefront. Politics for the left populist strategy is the construction of an adversary, the, what we call uh, the determination of a frontier, and also another element which I think is very important is the question of putting into uh, 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 question the rationalist conception of politics which is dominant in the left. And that's something that you don't find in, in, in the right. So uh, my, my book is precisely about that. You know, first reassert the importance of the left populist uh, uh, strategy precisely because it's a different conception of politics which is much more adequate than the one which is usually found in many left movements or, or left parties. And also to insist that, of course, with this left populist strategy need to be always adapted to the conjuncture. You know, and this is why, for instance, I think uh, that no, this left populist strategy should be envisaged as the fight for a green democratic revolution. This is something, for instance, that I was not so much putting, you know, the accent in for left populism, even if there, I mean, there is a, a, a chapter which I insist that this, this is something which is very important today, that we cannot really imagine a left strategy that does not include precisely, you know, the end of a productivist and extractivist model. But I was not really putting that as the, the, what we call, uh, with Ernesto Laclau and uh, my, myself, an hegemonic signifier, you know, the, the kind of signifier which is going to unite all the different parts of the left. Uh, we thought, yeah, it's demand, ecological demand are, in fact, important, for, for even since uh, hegemony socialist strategy in 1985. Uh, we were already indicating, but it was a demand among other demands. Now I think that this is, we've become aware of the fact that there is an incredible urgency uh, about that. It's not just one demand among the other. This must be the one you know, which is really going to, uh, to crystallize the, the, the 
the view of that left movement should be fighting for. So the, 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 the book is about that, you know, the critique of the rationalist conception of politics, which is a question that I've been dealing with for a long time. But how should we envisage that in terms of the present conjuncture? So I think that from a point of view, maybe, uh, uh, well, I don't know what you will want to ask me about that, but uh, maybe we should examine what what is the specificity of this present conjuncture what do you think yeah what what do you think are the main things that have changed in the last i mean it feels like everything has changed in the last three years between the your two last books this being an update on for left populism what are the key elements do you think that have changed in the in, in well in I, I, I think that the main main, main question is precisely the, 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 the central role that the, the you know, ecological question and, uh, sh should play today. I think because, in fact, what we were already saying in, in that book and, and already, in fact, in hegemony socialist strategy, you know, because if, if you see uh, the question of populism, for instance, the term does not appear at all in, in hegemony socialist strategy. But the idea is there because what we are saying, and the, the book was to say, um, the left cannot center its demands only at the, around the question of the, of the class struggle. And I, I mean, I, I say only because we've been accused of abandoning the class struggle. You know, we never say that. What we are saying is that uh, uh, workers' demands are very important, but they are also the demand of the feminists and anti-racists. And, and as I was saying, also be always in the in ecological question. But um, I think that, well, this is still valid today, of course. But no, there are many more de demands that need to be articulated. So in fact, the idea was that the, the, the emancipatory subject or revolutionary subject, as you want to call it, this need to be an articulation, what we call a chain of equivalence, between a set of democratic demands. And I think that still, of course, today, uh, uh, what is central for a left populist struggle. But I think that, and, and that will be my, the, the, the difference I see today, the, the, the centrality, that all that, all those demands need to be articulated around the question of, you know, the, the ecological bifurcation. In a, for instance, it's absolutely central today to uh, articulate social uh, demand, uh, uh, all the demands which are, are well, let's say, socio-economic, and then all the demands, what I work called the new social movement, which the moment we brought hegemony, but today the ecological question. So it's, it's still, you know, a, a even if the, the, the need to articulate ecological demand was present before, I think that today it is really, uh, play, it plays, it must play a very important role. That's what I will say, the, the different. Uh, but I will also say uh, there is something different, which, uh, uh, and that is why I think the question of the conjuncture is, is important. Uh, because, well, do you remember uh, the moment of the pandemic? Uh, well, the, the, what was before envisaged as the um, populist moment, you know, the pop populist moment was something which was clearly indicating, well, it was the consequence, of course, of the 2008 crisis, and it was indicating the need to um, 
can I put it? Um, well, I'm, uh, he, the, not the need, that, that's wrong to say it like that, but in, it was indicating the um, crisis of the hegemony of neoliberalism. Yeah? I, I, I think the, I will insist on the hegemony because not necessarily a crisis of, of the practice of neoliberalism, but the fact that the, the, the hegemony the, was not before, uh, up to the 2008, I would say, there was some kind of un uncontested hegemony of neoliberalism, which began to break down uh, in, in a moment of the um, crisis. And if, uh, in fact, all the movements that appeared in, in the, 2000, the 2010 were all, and, and in different countries we've seen that, were all indication that the hegemony of neoliberalism had been, you know, put into question. Uh, and at that moment, I think we were quite a few into to think that this was the end, the beginning of the end of neoliberalism. Uh, well, today I must say that I'm not so optimistic because what I am seeing, and, and here I, I disagree with some, some position in the left who are claiming that we are no because of everything that happened around the crisis in a post-neoliberal era. You know, not, not necessarily something uh, much better, but post-neoliberal. I, I believe, and this is something I also argue in the book, that in fact what we are seeing is more the, uh, a new form of, of neoliberalism. But, but in fact, neoliberalism is maintained trying to uh, gain a new lease of life, to develop under a new form, a form which is very authoritarian. You know, I think that we are really moving toward what men call an authoritarian neoliberalism. So, and, and, and that's what I'm really worried about, is that this authoritarian form is being legitimized uh, uh, because of uh, people are told that, well, you know, all those measures are absolutely necessary in order to protect people. Uh, and here is the question of um, the affects is, is important. And I think that the, for the left it's very important to understand that. Because one of the consequences of the pandemic has been the development of a sense, a sense of uh, fragility, vulnerability among people. You know, and of course, no, no it's obviously reinforced with the, 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 the war in Ukraine. And so there is a general feeling of vulnerability and a demand for protection. I think that is very important for the left to understand this demand for protection. Uh, because there is in the left some tendency to see, oh, but that's conservative demand for protect, protection. You know, and not, not to really give too much importance to that. I think that the left must address this demand for protection because this demand for protection is already addressed by the right in different ways, by the extreme right and by the, you know, kind of center uh, left right, like, <laughs> if one can put it like that. Uh, and, and in fact, this kind of uh, authority on neoliberalism is a way in which they are trying to address that authoritarian measure, the development of um, digital capitalism, are presented as form in which, you know, we are now protected by, by the state. 
Uh, and I think, for instance, I'm very struck by the fact that today uh, many people are accepting form of control that they would never have accepted five years ago, even three years ago, because they say, well, you know, that's that's what we, we need in order to have protection. So I think it's very, and, and this is for me the basis of this uh, um, new form of, of neoliberalism, the, the way in which it is trying to regain legitimacy. And I, I think that today we are at a moment where it's very important for, for the left to address this demand for protection, but of course in a way which is going to further democratic advances. Because protection does not necessarily lead to conservatism. You know, protection can also be some kind of protection which is going to new rights, uh, new form of participation. I think protection can be really uh, orientated towards regressive measure or progressive measure. And this is for me what is really new in the conjuncture. That was not the case at the moment when I wrote for left uh, populism. At the moment, at that moment, I think we were much more confident in the fact that, you know, there was a crisis of neoliberalism. And I think today that, well, that's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm not too, too terribly optimistic in the fact that we, we are going to have necessarily, as a consequence of the crisis, more progressive uh, um, movement. It's all a question of acting that. And, and they are, of course, uh, uh, and this is something which uh, um, James showed very clearly in his book, there are many different um, forms of resistance. You know, but those forms of resistance need to be articulated, need to be uh, creating, as, as they call it, a, a block. You know? So I, I think this is why I see the, the, the relation between the new uh, um, form of, uh, I don't know exactly what term to use here, but uh, um, yeah, the, 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 the new type of, of, of demands you know, uh, and the way in which there is a need to articulate all those dif different um, different movements, because the, the things are there, but in order to really produce a, a popular movement, they need to be articulated. And I think that's, you know, also it seems to me one of the important points that James is making in his book, the need to articulate those movements. Well, you agree with that? <clears throat> uh, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe slightly more optimistic, although I've got the same basic um, understanding, because I, I think, you know, we're in an in, it, the same crisis from 2008, it's just in a deeper level, and there's, it's, there's no coming out of it. So the, the ruling class might try as it is trying with authoritarian neoliberalism, but that's got no capacity to set off a new cycle of capital accumulation. It's got no capacity to uh, buy off uh, enough of the population, I think, to bring back boring, normal stability that, that they would like to see. Because I think, you know, everything is bad, it's about to get worse, and everybody knows that. And, you know, that's the, that's the ground on which we're operating as, as uh, you know, progressives trying to bring about progress change. And that's also the ground that the, the, the ruling class has to deal with there. Uh, the neoliberal hegemony is really very fractured. They try to piece it back together, but it's really very, very fractured. So I might look at, you know, specifically in the UK, that there is, uh, there's a kind of 
latent progressive common sense, social democratic common sense on a, a huge range of issues, particularly social economic, but also environmental, that are quite a long way to the left, or at least a bit to the left, of where we ended up in 2019. So if you look at questions of wealth tax, uh, taxing the rich, public ownership, minimum wage, they are all you know, big, big super majorities for, uh, in favour of progressive solutions. Majority of people on the right, majority of people who vote Tory want public ownership of energy, for example, as a response to, to the crisis. The majority of Tory voters want, wealth, uh, want a wealth tax. So you, there, is this, there is this base. Then who can engage with uh, public opinion? Well, we don't have a, we're not leading with a party. That's a, you know, we're in the hot moment of left populism. There were these different figures or parties that were pushing forward uh, in, you know, in, in that manner. We don't have that. But our movements are stronger, I think, than they were um, seven years ago. So take the trade union movement, for example, which is you know, Britain's biggest social movement by miles, admittedly from a really low base. But for the four years, 2016 to 2020, uh, trade union membership rose every single year, which is the first time it's done that for 45 years. Um, we see strike levels are still at historically very low base. But what, as we're seeing now and as we're seeing going into the, into the winter, you know, much larger. Perhaps anecdotally, but um, uh, you, you mentioned Amazon, Chantal. I um, organised the Make Amazon Pay Coalition, which is a global coalition of trade unions, environmentalists, civil society groups, tax justice groups to, to take on Amazon around the world. And we organised a global day of action uh, in 25, 30 countries with strikes and protests simultaneously on Black Friday, which is the 25th of November. Now, last year, basically, we're the only um, small L labour story going and the, uh, uh, you know, on the day and around that, and likewise in the previous year. In the UK, you know, already going on strike on that day will be every single university on strike on the 25th of November, um, uh, 150,000 postal workers, and then there will be some Amazon workers and supply chains and so on. So the, the, the temperature of that struggle is, is hotting up. And then we've seen over the last few years how uh, new social movements like Black Lives Matter or Extinction Rebellion or their you know, ancillary associated movements and organisations can really capture public imagination and can shift um, attitudes on, uh, on issues and can mobilise and, and organise for things. So we've got, I think, a lot of conditions that could, that could lead to another big surge, that could lead to um, the potential for a, a progressive uh, advance. But the thing that we don't have is there's no, there's no party that is, that is leading that. So I think that's why... Uh, pretty a lot of the strategic debate on the British left seems to boil down to Labour Party, yes or no. And I'm, I'm sure at, at least two-thirds of the questions that get put to me th this evening, if they do get put to me, will just be asking me that question, even though I'm about to say my answer now. And, uh, <laughs> and it will be the thing that most people will come up to, to, to talk about afterwards, because that's the thing that, that people are, are, are motivated about. But I think it is the wrong question. I think it is putting the cart before the horse. 
uh, for, for two reasons. One is more theoretical strategic, which is we had the leadership of the Labour Party and we didn't lose because it, we had the leadership of the Labour Party. We lost because we had, I mean, a variety of mistakes made and lots of other contingent factors as well and Brexit and so on and so forth. But the set of progressive social forces in the, in the country were weak relative to the strength of the, the ruling bloc, even though that theirs was fractured and had, and had weaknesses. So it seems to me saying, talking about the party rather than the forces that we need to develop is putting the cart before the horse. And then I think it's a mistake uh, for um, practical reasons, it would be a distraction. Because if you say, if your answer to that question is, yes, the Labour Party is the only conceivable vehicle and it's incredibly important, more important than anything else, therefore, that we get back control of it, everyone would spend all of their time doing labour left things and spend no time doing industrial, social, ecological, anti-racist, feminist and so on types of organising which are absolutely vital. Or you'd say no, 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 the Labour Party belongs in, uh, in the bin, we need to create a new party and so then everyone would spend their time setting up a new you know, small organisation that wouldn't have the, uh, a basis in uh, you know, social movements, in trade unions and so on, and you know, setting up an organisation, its rules, its constitution, its procedures is extremely time consuming and it's not a mass activity, generally speaking. It's not something that, is, that, that brings people in that are, that are new to po uh, political activism, which uh, the other types of organising we're talking about, which going on strike, that introduces politics to... Uh, to, to some people that won't have had it before, likewise environmental campaigns, feminist campaigns, and so on. Um, so that's why I'm arguing, I argue in the book, for a, for a left block. So that's trying to bring together in coordination and in some form of formal alliance, like recognising that anything is going to be piecemeal and bit by bit, the, the resources that I think we have. So that's the left-led trade unions and the left in other trade unions. Uh, it's the social movements we're talking about, disabled people against cuts, um, uh, Extinction Rebellion, Just Stop Oil, um, Black Lives Matter and so on. And it is, uh, and it's the, the remaining left that is in the Labour Party, which still has you know, maybe 150,000 left-wing people in its membership, maybe a little bit more. Uh, and some MPs, some councils, and so on, and try to bring those together so they can coordinate and, uh, and act, and act in a way that, it, that is consistent with, um, I think, what Chantal is laying out, and with left uh, populism, although in, in the book I call it m this form, movement populism, to, to connote that it will more be movements that are in the lead in constructing the line of antagonism and in driving forward our politics than uh, any sort of single political leadership because, you know, because we don't have that. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll say one more thing about what that means practically. Mm. So, uh, so, in, um, so what, I'm, what that would mean in practice, I think now, so rather than thinking that we can uh, get to exactly where magic the party that we want 
to exist out of thin air, which we can't do. We can strengthen all the forms of resistance that are currently taking place, which are growing and are re really inspiring. And they're the four types of resistance that we've seen you know, basically at every single point in, in history, which is people withdrawing their labour, people refusing to pay for things, people occupying things and not going away from places that they're not meant to, to be in, and people looking after each other, mutual aid and, and solidarity. And I think especially as things get worse as they're going to over the next few months, the, 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 the next stage in being able to articulate all these demands together in order to have a red-green front where, uh, to put forward the kind of politics that, that Chantal's talking about and writing about is to bring those together in, in concrete ways to work together in campaigns, which, you know, encouragingly is happening. And, um, you know, I think, for example, what you write about the, uh, the environmental movement, I think it was 100% true or maybe 98% true five years ago, as in um, too, perhaps too liberal in framework, eschewing antagonism and so on. But I've been really encouraged now working with um, uh, the, the more radical end of the, of the climate movement now, who previously were talking about being beyond politics, who now place, thing, the, place the, the struggle for the end of the month alongside the struggle to prevent the end of the world as part of their... Uh, a part of their framework. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, um, and here it's interesting to see uh, the, oh, the, the difference between uh, an optic center on Britain mm. and mine, which is center yeah. on, on, on Europe. Um, because, in fact, it, it's quite paradoxical, uh, but at the moment, um, in, in, I, I, I read, of course, a lot of uh, foreign newspapers, and they, 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 what they say about Britain is quite interesting because on one side there is the, the old saga between, you know, uh, uh, Johnson, and, but uh, and, and uh, it's something that really uh, you know, is very difficult for, for the you know, continental people to, to, to understand. But uh, they are also, in a sense, also a, a maze uh, um, even if I, I think they don't really capture yet the importance of that, the fact that there is suddenly a lot of strike and movement in Britain because, you know, they had been accustomed to the period of Thatcherism in which nothing was happening here. And then suddenly, what's, what's happening? Why is it that, you know, the, the, all those strikes, I mean, they are completely uh, flabbergasted by, by, by that. Um, but um, I think that... And of course, it's very different with respect to, uh, and I think in, in a sense what I was saying about the possibility for neoliberalism to reassert, uh, it's more true for, 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 for uh, you know, the continental Europe. Because, for instance, in, in, take the case of France, for instance, the, the way in which the gilets jaunes were crushed completely. You know, the, uh, so there, there was the moment in which I, I, I wrote for a left populism, there was a lot of move, movement, but they were crushed. And uh, also something, uh, at that time, we were all absolutely convinced that Macron would, Macron would never be re-elected. You know, it was, and then suddenly, yes, he, he was re-elected. And I, and I think that is a consequence of the, 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 the pandemic. And the, the need for, for protection, for, for stability, so a lot of people who were more, more militant. So it, it was really a moment 
that stop in many many uh, uh, many movements, many many uh, form of the demand of resistance were, were crushed. Uh, and, and of course, I'm not saying that they disappear and, and they are uh, again beginning to. Fall, but but there was a, mo a big moment of, of, of yeah. Uh, is setback. It was, that was meant a real setback uh, in, in, in most of, of uh, continental Europe. And I, yeah, I think I don't really see the same thing for, for here in, in, uh, in Britain. Uh, well, except that, I mean, of course, we could, we could really ask in what sense, for instance, the election of uh, um, Ma not Macron, uh, Johnson, no, no, Johnson, well, Johnson, or the first Johnson, because, and, and, and then Sunak and that. Um, so they, they, they are, in fact, contradictory movement here in Britain. On one side, you've got you know all, all this uh, uh, resilience of, of uh, neoliberalism under you know form which are each time worse and more uh, authoritarian. But on the other side, you've got also the, the, the emergence of a series of, of movement, uh, which are in fact not use you. No, 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 I don't know how to say that. Say that exactly, but. Uh, uh, well, we are we're not accustomed to, to that precisely because of the way in which credit union is crushed. And so they, they, let me put it that, despite of, of many things, I see one could be more uh, hopeful about the situation <laughs> in Britain. You know, despite you've got, of course, one of the worst possible government, yeah. but on the other yeah. side, uh, uh, there are reasons to be hopeful that things can't go on like that and they, they might change. Yeah, so, so that, that's true. In... in, in Things are more uh, um, ambivalent mm. in, 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 in Western Europe because in Western Europe, what we are, uh, well, Western Europe, I never know how to speak of Europe, but know that Britain is not anymore, but continental Europe is the pro probably the, the way in which you will. And then uh, it's, um, I, I, I think that, that uh, uh, yeah, if, 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 if Let's make a little bit of political fiction, you know. If we can imagine where, where the important resistance movement are going to develop, I would think mm. probably in, in, in Britain, you know, more, more, more than... Because in uh, Western Europe, is this where we've been seeing the development of right-wing populist movement, mm. you know, and, 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 and the... the, the uh, Victory, well, victory, not complete victory, except that in, in Italy, yes, it was a complete victory, but, but the, 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 the rise, uh, the increasing success of writing populist movement. I mean, that, that is something which is really specific of, of Western Europe. You know, Spain, uh, France, uh, Italy. Uh, the situation in Britain is different from that point of view. Huh? But of course, if, if, you, if we look at the government, we say no. I mean, but but I, I think it it's, will be important to see what are the, the, the resistances which are being uh, developed uh, here. So, yeah, I think, but I still believe, even if I don't see much of, you know, signals of something like that in, in uh, Britain at the, at the moment, um, they are, we just can't take it for granted that the next election, the, the Labour Party is going to win, but, but uh, um, 
En wat, wat dat moet mean is not very uh, particularly enthusiastic, but of course... Longer prison you know, terms for well, protesters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, it, it would be get, very good to get rid of the Tories in any case, even if it's for, for you know, uh, something which is not particularly uh, the kind of uh, government that, that they would like. But um, I think that... Uh, it, it, uh, uh, let me put the point in, in that way. I, I think that we are today, uh, but, but here is true, I'm more thinking in terms of, uh, of continental Europe. We are at a crossroad uh, because one possibility uh, uh, is development of really much more authoritarian government. You know, and this is the, the success of this authoritarian neoliberalism. I think that's, uh, and of course, the, the way to fight against that, and this is why I, I, I insist very much on the importance for the level of understanding, you know, the importance of affect, and the, to, uh, to say the, the question is, is, is that uh, this feeling of protection, need for protection, which is really a consequence of, of you know, the pandemic and now the, the, the geopolitical situation, is something that can be exploited in two different ways. It can be exploited by the right, and of course, it is already being exploited by the right to develop some kind of what I've called neo, uh, authoritarian neoliberalism. But it can also be exploited by the left, you know, in in order, but but a, a condition of taking account of this demand for protection and trying to imagine how it can be uh, um, articulated into a, a progressive direction, and. I, at the moment, I think that the, the, the offensive of the, of the right towards authoritarianism is stronger than the, uh, the, the reaction of, of, the, of the left. You know, and, I, and here, I, and again, I come to my, my, my session, I, it's, a, it's basically a question of not understanding, uh, uh, not understanding or, or dismissing, you know, from the part of the left, the, the, the importance of affect because the left is much too rationalistic. You know, the, the left be convinced that it's by argument that you are going to, uh, and, and let's say, I'm not saying, I'm not against argument, but it's by argument alone that you are going to, 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 to bring people to act in, in, in uh, the, uh, the way that you want to, 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 uh, to you would like to, to see. And for instance, and of course, you know, as a political philosopher, I'm always interested in what people have said in that sense. I, I think, for instance, and I insist on that in, in the book, um, there is a lesson from Spinoza that is very important for, for the left to understand. Spinoza say, for instance, I mean, two, two things which I think are particularly important. He said that uh, ideas have force only when they meet affects. You know, I think. I don't see too much on the side of, of, of the left, and particularly of certain kind of, uh, you know, British left, left, the idea that what we need is a good program, you know. If we have a good program, people automatically will accept it and will follow it. I don't believe that at all. You know, I think that, um, of course, a good program is, is, is important, but it needs to be articulate with affects, and in, in, the, in the book I'm, I, I, I refer to, uh, well, my interpretation of the election 2019, you know, and I say on one side we had 
Boris Johnson, no program at all, but just a few very po po powerful slogans. You know, get Brexit done, uh, take back control. And on the other side, you had uh, the Labour Party, and I, I, I acknowledge, uh, uh, we, we discussed that before, uh, James, the beginning of the campaign of Corbyn was perfect. I, I, I thought, you know, I was really very impressed by the, by the first presentation. It was some kind of Roosevelt. Uh, I, uh, they hate me, but I, uh, uh, Welcome there. Uh, there was really a construction of a frontier, you know. Uh, um, but of course, after this, apparently, you know, you, you know, know very much better than me why this happened. There was a shift in, in the direction of, of, of the campaign. And then what we had is a, series, a list of very good policies, you know, a lot of good, uh, free broadband and that and that and that, but sold to people in some kind of what I will call a clientelistic way, you know. So it was, vote for us and we will give you that. Vote for us and we will give you that. So, they, they, but there was absolutely no mobilization of people because you need... One thing is to have good policies, but another thing is to make people design those policies. You know, they are not going simply, well, very good. No, they, they, this is where I, I think that the, the, the missing link in, for many people when they think of politics. Good program, yes, but also the need to, to make people feel that this is. And for instance, in, the, in that election, we must acknowledge that people felt empowered I say, bring back control. It was moving. And on the other side, no, follow us and we'll give you some kind of what I call precisely clientelistic, you know. So I, I think that, and of course, it was absolutely no uh, surprise that Johnson got such a good result, you know. I'm not saying, of course, here that what the Labour Party should have been doing was to, to compete with uh, uh, Johnson in terms of th th those kind of uh, you know, slogans, but to realize that it, it needed to, as, as uh, Spinoza say, ideas that, that I put, need to meet effects. So you need to have, oh, and, and that also means something which for me is important here. It's important to have things that resonate with the people and to, 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 be, to uh, uh, really ask, you know, to try to understand what they want. I mean, you, you in, in your book, if I remember well, you, or, or you, you, you say the problem with the, the question of free broadband, it was a very good policy, but nobody was asking for that, you know? So instead of, and, and, and there is a, what I call the rationality of the left, it's a, we know best, you know, we, we know what people should want. You know, and so we are going to give them what they what they need. Well, no, fortunately, it doesn't work like that. You know, you also try to need to understand what people really desire, and of course, you know, to, to those desires, you need to you must answer them. In they can be answered in different ways. You know, not, not it's not to say ah, oh, what people ask for that. No, but to say what is their what are they really uh, uh, demanding? And, but that, of course, that, and you are going to uh, frame that in, in a way. It can be framed in a way which is really, you know, progressive in a sense of, of uh, uh, conservative, or it may, may also be framed in a way in which is going to further 
democracy. So uh, for, for me, that's something extremely important, you know. And this, in fact, uh, uh, and I think we should this point that we should also uh, address the question of what should be the policy today in front of the, the, the climate emergency. And we've got a little differences uh, because you <laughs> advocate a Green New Deal uh, and advocate a Green Democratic Revolution. Well, here I want to insist that when I'm uh, uh, speaking of a Green Democratic Revolution, I'm not at all saying something that goes against the Green New Deal. You know, I think that, and, and, and in fact, I, I, I'll defend that. If, if we are thinking of the, what should be the strategy to today, it's the Green New Deal is the, in terms of policies. But you see, this is one of the questions. The policies, the best set of policies. But my argument is that policies are not enough. You can have the best policies, but you make need to make, as I was saying before, design those policies. And this is why my, my proposal in, 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 the, in the book is to say, to envisage this, those policies, this Green uh, New Deal, yes, it should be envisaged, presented in terms of a green democratic revolution, to, to, to insist on the fact that to put in practice those, those, those uh, uh, different policies, that is going to, uh, uh, it's open, uh, a future, I mean, here I, I refer often to uh, a myth in the sense of Sorel, that is a view of the future that really give a new sense to the present, you know, which is, and, and this is a set of policies, the Green New Deal does not have, have this supplement of, of, of soul, if you want. You, you need to uh, um, endow it with aff an affective force. So in fact, what I, I, I'm proposing by speaking of a green democratic revolution is to endow those policies with an affective dimension because I'm really convinced that uh, in our societies, the idea of democracy is, is a very important signifier. And that, you know, it, it is something that mobilizes people. And, and the idea of green democratic revolution that those policies are, in fact, there will be a rupture. It's a, it's a form of revolution, uh, uh, but a democratic one. You know, because here, I think, and, and, uh, uh, this is important we have not uh, uh, referred to when we were speaking of um, the, the challenge today, um, and, and is the and, and the conjuncture in, in general. We are also at the moment, uh, and, and here I might be a little. Uh, less optimistic that, than you, uh, because I think that th this climate em emergency and uh, the, of course, I, I, I agree, I mean, it's, 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 it, they are not going to be able to pro propose a solution that is really going to go against the, the, the I mean, the crisis of accumulation is something there to, to stay. Um, but it's not necessarily going to produce uh, a, a, a crisis because it is important to, as I was saying, motivate people, make them see things, design things in those measures that we are proposing need to, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, finding the, the, my, my English at the moment is particularly bad, but and I, and I find difficulties in, in, in countering the, the, the words. But uh, I think that it is one of the dangers, as, as I see it, is the possible success of a, a, a green capitalism. I think that, you know, for instance, a few years ago, maybe, uh, uh, climate deniers well, were very important. Today, I think that there the, the are not so many climate deniers, uh, well, at least in, 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 in Europe. Uh, what I see and what I've, I've noticed very much, uh, uh, particularly in mean, the discussion that are taking place in Europe, uh, no, the, 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 the right and everybody, everybody more accept that, that uh, uh, something uh, really needs to, to change. But some people are, are saying that the solution uh, is green capitalism. So uh, let me put it in this way. I don't think that the, problem, the main dividing line today is between uh, climate deniers and people who say, no, we've got to do something. You know, it's people accept that we've got to do something. But the question is, that what are we going to do? And, and some people say, well, a question of green capitalism. This is the geoengineering and things like that. that. That's the solution, you know. So it, it, and of course, uh, uh, what we are both uh, uh, proposing is the fact. No, no the, the uh, 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 ecological bifurcation, you know, which implies a rupture, and clear, clearly, I think a rupture with financial capitalism. You know, this is this for me. This is something which is, must be absolutely central in the in the in the. Uh, way to address you know the, the climate emergency to accept the need for a rupture with financial capitalism and this is where I'm not quite sure uh, uh, well may, maybe I mean uh, as you are saying in the, in the it's true that, that the, the, the movement the climate movement has been radicalized for instance if you uh, think of the first uh, interviews or intervention of Greta uh, um, Thunberg I mean, this woman has been extremely yeah, radicalized, yeah, yeah. extremely radicalized, yeah. you know? So that, that's, that's a good sign. For the, but for instance, I, I, I still see a lot of ecological movement. Look, ecological movement, for instance, uh, that make, like in, in, in Germany, make alliance with, with the right. In, in, in the, so it means that many ecological movement is not accepted the idea that uh, we need a rupture with financial capitalism. You know, they still believe that it's possible. And, and I think that this is, again, why I think that uh, a left populist strategy is important in the present circumstances, you know, because left populist strategy insists the, the need to establish a frontier, determine a, 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 an adversary and, and the other factor, to create a vast movement in which the effective dimension is going to be important, you know, because this is, I think, central. Hello, listeners. The London Review of Books has just launched a new subscription podcast called Close Readings. For just four ninety nine a month or forty nine ninety nine a year, you can access all our Close Readings series. This year, we have ones on classical literature with Emily Wilson and Thomas Jones, medieval literature with Irina Dumitrescu and Mary Wellesley, and 19th and 20th century literature with Mark Ford and Seamus Perry. Each series has 12 episodes, so you'll receive a new episode from each one every month and you can listen in most podcast apps. To sign up, 
go to lrb.me forward slash close readings or click on the link in the description. Perfect time, I think, to see what affects we have spurred in the audience and what questions they will desire. So there's a roving mic if anyone's got any questions. Just maybe two questions before we... OK, one, two, three, four. Well, thank you, Chantal and James. Um, yeah, I only had the chance of reading Chantal's book, uh, which was very... I felt very enlightened, even though you're very critical of the Enlightenment project, but I think it really brings up very fundamental questions that the left wasn't making in the last decades. And one of my questions that I would like to make is regarding the role of affects in politics and in the conception around the political. We know, I come from Chile, for example, and we've seen that in the last referendum that we had when we wanted to approve the most, one of the most progressive and leftist constitutions in the world, we realized that we lost the election for different reasons, but one of the hypotheses around it is that the whole campaign was led by a very important advertising creative director, which in some kind of suggests that the... I'm sorry, you are referring to the previous referendum, not, not this one. No, no, the last one. The ah, last, the last one. one, yes. Yeah, yeah, it was the same crea creative director that also led uh, the last Bachelet cam uh, campaign when yes. she got elected. Yes. And it makes me think also like how the case of Cambridge Analytica was very influential at the time of mobilizing affects and emotions of the voters uh, mm -hmm. in favor of Brexit. So in some way, yeah, we know that affects play a fundamental role in politics and in articulating political projects nowadays. The, the right wing is more aware of it than we are. Uh, but the thing is that there's an ethical problem behind, right? Because the right wing in some way instrumentalizes emotions they manipulate the emotions of the voters from lies, from fake news. And in that way, I wonder, OK, how we, as the left, can make use of affects, can tap into emotions without falling in unethical issues and issues of ethics, and at the same time without falling in a creative war? Because, yeah, we can win elections in the future. We're winning elections now in Latin America, for example. But in the future, they're going to get better creative directors that would tap into affects in a more effective way and in some ways, like, okay, we have the capacity of winning elections from affects, but how we actually articulate a collective political project that goes beyond saying yes or no, but constructing complex affects that say, okay, we're going to defend this project of society against the neoliberal backlash in the future. No, I agree with you that we have it, it's much more difficult for the left uh, uh, because precisely we, we, we need to, uh, um, we can't, use demagogic argument, which the word, but the question is that many people tend to believe that mobilizing affect is necessarily something demagogic, you know, and, and what I'm, my point is that is not true. And in fact, we can't leave the, that terrain to the right. And, and for too long, I think, and, and in too many places, the, 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 the left, I oh, no, no, that's, we don't deal with, with that because this is necessarily, you know, exactly the argument that you are making. But my argument is that there are many different ways in which one can mobilize affect. And, and also remember something that he insisted on is that uh, I'm not saying here just mobilize affect. I'm not saying, for instance, that, that um, Corbyn should have an empty slogan in the same, same uh, type of, of uh, Johnson, but that it's not enough 
to have the good arguments. You also need to find a way to speak to people, to mobilize people, to they, they must resonate with them. So it's we, we've got a double job. Uh, so mobilize things, but uh, uh, not not simply you know in 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 a way in which they don't have uh, content and 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 no that that's uh, it's it's much more difficult, much more difficult. And if you add to that the fact that most countries, I mean, if not all. The, the press is dominated by the right. You know, the, all the medium of communication are under the control of the right. Uh, and so, people, what what can we do? No, I I think that well, we, it's, it's it's a hard uh, struggle, but we just can't. If if it will be completely self-defeating, to say but we should not engage with that because that necessarily leads uh, no. Uh, but but in my point is that we must be aware that it's a terrain in which the the, the left is got to engage. And, and if we don't do it, look, why is it that, and that's a question I've been over, why is right-wing populism so much more successful than left populism, you know? And, and I think that is precisely because they know and they've got experience in, 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 in doing that. We, we are, we are, it's not a question of competing with them. I insist on that. It's a question of addressing also this question, not leaving the terrain to them, uh, you know, and, and trying to see, oh, we can, uh, and, uh, and I think that, well, th this is why, maybe I'm too optimistic about that, even if I'm not optimistic in, in general, uh, uh, the idea of uh, a green democratic revolution is something that can resonate with the people, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, the idea of, of uh, uh, the democracy, the struggle for, for social justice, it has been for me uh, the, the, the driving force of, of, of what we call the, the left, you know. This is what motivated pe people to act. And I think that uh, um, it's, it's important to, 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 to engage with, with that terrain. But I, I agree, it's, it's not easy and, and we've got an handicap with respect to, to, to uh, the, the right, but it's not by, you know, leaving the terrain to them that we are, then we are double defeated, you know? Uh, yeah, uh, I just want to know, like, what, not in the UK especially, but in the in Europe, you have the rise of the far right now, and they're in power, and it's like, can you explain more into that, how do we fight that, how do we, you know, get together and be like, well, this is happening now, They're, you know, what can we do, and do stuff about it, but uh, thank you. Well, here there is something I, wa I, I want to, 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 to say, and uh, um, because before asking how to fight, we need to understand why people vote for those parties. You know, what is attractive for, for them? If, if we don't pose that question, and, and, and I think that, that's something I find very problematic about the left. They tend to dismiss those things. Ah, those people are, you know, fascists, homophobes, uh, anti-feminists. Um, in, in fact, I've, I've seen that very much in, in the way in which, uh, in, in France, the left uh, has, has been uh, attacking Jean-Luc Mélenchon and La France Insoumise precisely because Mélenchon is, is one of those who is trying to put in, into practice this kind of left populist strategy that I was referring to. And for instance, he, in the, in the, the last election, always went to speak with the people who vote for, for the, uh, the, the Rassemblement National, uh, previously uh, National Front, you know, and try to understand, you know, what, what, what. And in fact, and, 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 and I've got a friend of mine, François Ruffin, who has been elected uh, 
the MP for Picardy, which is one of the area where this industrialized area, which which was previously a left area where a strong uh, uh, communist. And now they are all voting for, for, for the, the Marine Le Pen. So it's trying to, and people say, oh no, but those people, one should not even speak with people. Those people are homophobic. And François Ruffin, contrary, went to speak with people, and he was so much criticized for that. You know, For instance, the, the, the La France Insoumise was also very much criticized for having engaged with the, the Gilets jaunes, the, the Yellow Vest, you know, and, and, and trying to understand what they wanted. And no, no, with those people, we don't, some people, we shouldn't even speak with people like that, you know. But uh, uh, François Ruffin was telling me, for instance, going to speak with those people, he, he began to under, uh, understand a lot of things. For instance, one thing which I think for me is crucial is the responsibility of, of the, the, the left and the Socialist Party, particularly in, in, in France, for, the, for that, because they have uh, kind of abandoned the, the, the terrain, you know? And, and that is very much linked to the fact that the moment, the, the crucial moment, in which the, 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 the left began to lose Grand and but when they really adopted neoliberalism. The idea that there was no alternative to neoliberal globalization. So all those people are precisely the people who suffer so more from neoliberal globalization, you know, who, who uh, are the loser of neoliberal globalization. And of course, the, the socialists did not have any discourse for those people because uh, they, 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 they will, uh, to answer the demand of those people, will have forced them to put into question neoliberal globalization. So they just abandon them, you know, they, they, they abandon them. And of course, no, uh, they, they are surprised, you know, that, that why is it that they vote for Marine Le Pen? You know, ah, bon, because they, they, they are fascists there. No, and, and, and Ruffin was, was explaining to me, he, he spoke with people and tried to, you know, what is the, the motivate you? And, and why are you, uh, are you voting for? And he came to the conclusion, and because it was around for many people, were uh, saying, for instance, that, uh, um, say, well, you know, we, 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 the only person who, who really came to speak with us and, and, uh, is Marine Le Pen. And Marine Le Pen, you know, said, ah, oh, what, what are, you know, their problems? And, and for instance, uh, she was, yes, of course, you know, I, I do agree. With, with, but, you know, the problem of the immigrants is because the, of the immigrants that, that you are losing your job, that the social services are not so bad. So, you know, there was no alternative discourse to, 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 to try to, to give another answer and say, well, yes, it's, it's, it's neoliberalism is it's financial capitalism, which is the origin of your trouble. You know, and, and that, I think, is the problem is that the left has not taken enough seriously the, the grievance of those people and trying to see how they could. And, 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 and to finish my story about that, for instance, uh, uh, François was telling me, in, in the, this, because he really took trouble to, by the way, he was elected in, in an area which nobody would imagine he would have elected because it was basically a stronghold of Marine Le Pen, you know. But he was saying, when discussing, he wanted to discuss with them and trying to say, and he said through the discussion and trying to show them this was not the case like that, and he said through the discussion, for instance, I, 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 I saw them. In, in their face, you know, they say, yeah, well, yeah, you might be right. And, and, and Tom said, 
yeah, you, you, I, I think you have a point here, you know? And he said, not all of them, of course, but several of them at the end of the... You are, you've convinced me. I'm going to vote for you. You know, I, I think, but you need to take the trouble to understand why is it, what he motivates those people. If you've got the, uh, no, the, the, if you think, if you are anti-immigrants, you know, why are you anti-immigrants? Why is it that that? Uh, and, and, and to try to, to propose solutions that, that are going to, I think that is a complete mistake to believe that those people are lost for, 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 the, for the left. But you need to try to understand, oh, you know, what the, the kind of ideology they've been uh, uh, given to my mind and pen, and that to offer an alternative to that instead of moral condemnation, because I think that's the worst possible uh, attitude. And, and, I, and in general, the attitude of the left with respect to those groups is moral condemnation. You know, and we don't even try, and it's not even worth trying to understand them. No, no, because it's pondering with the extreme light to, to do that. I, I think that for me is very important. I'm sorry, I think we've just completely run out of time. I, I can see that there's lots of questions in the room, but uh, please give me can, a warm... Can't I mean, you, I mean, since we begin a bit later, can't we uh, uh, have another, another round of questions? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody happy to... Okay. There was... Uh, you, you're on, you still have a question? Um, yeah, something to say, but I... I, I I'll make it a question as well. Um, I think um, Jeremy Corbyn's election to the leadership of the Labour Party in 2017 was a fluke. Um, and it would, took, the le took the left by surprise as much as anybody else. Um, I think um, a question to ask is, um, if he hadn't been elected, would that upswelling of affect uh, of a whole generation of left sympathizing people that happened, would, would that have happened? Um, Despite the fact that it did, and it carried huge momentum for, for two years, and uh, momentum both in the sense of the organization that you, James, uh, helped found, and in the general sense of, of dynamism and energy, nevertheless, it seems to me that the left fell back into the sectarianisms that um, that generation had given us a chance to transcend and escape from. And in... Um, and analysing the, the defeat of December 2019, my comrades in the Labour Party, almost to a person, um, blame the left. And I, I like to say that there's a truth in arguing that, the, that we didn't lose that election. We were beaten. We were beaten by an enemy, um, an establishment that was determined that having been brought to within a whisker of socialism in government in Britain, was determined never to let that happen again. And there was, to a degree, a perfect storm, which Brexit helped. But, you know, the, foist, the, the, uh, the whipping up of um, myths of anti-Semitism and all the rest, uh, a whole lot of things that can, conspired uh, to, to, to ensure that the status quo remained. Um, what I like about uh, James's book... Uh, and I haven't finished it, but I, th I think it's a breath of fresh air, and I can't speak about Chantal Mousse because I haven't seen it yet, but, and I'm interested particularly in the context of, of Britain, um, is, is the way in which he seizes that sense of, of um, unsectarian leftism, that sense of effect that Chantal's been talking about, and uh, put some detail on it. The idea of a block, the idea of a block that's, that's kind of coordinated to a degree by a secretariat, 
And the detail that in the bit I've got to in the second part of the book, where there's a whole lot of specific suggestions of specific instances of, uh, of block building and of shared uh, momentum, uh, I think that's really helpful. And it's optimistic. And it actually offers the, a sense of, of dealing with the enemy. Because the other thing, and I'd like to finish on this, is that I haven't heard very much at all uh, from you about, about um, the enemy. The, 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 the ruling parties, uh, the, the, the establishment and its determination to hang together. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't end up as the, best part, the, the biggest party in the next election because I think we need to hold on to how to deal with them uh, in the terms that were made possible by 2017 and, and along the lines that James is outlining in his excellent book. Well, no, I absolutely agree with you, uh, <laughs> totally. But uh, and I think that uh, maybe uh, James could add a few things to, because you were uh, um, before uh, um, speaking about you were asking a few questions about you know what happened in the Labour Party, and I think maybe uh, James could give us a, a few wider defeat, or you, you could uh, uh, yeah. because not everybody here has, has read the book, so in fact you, you should. Uh, uh, it take uh, allow them to know and, and maybe even go uh, if you've been having since uh, then because in fact the the book was uh, uh, written what finished by March was it yeah. probably yeah so and I think it will be interesting for you to tell you know how you see the evolution uh, there but uh, and and address some of the question that uh, um, were pose here with respect to what went wrong in the Labour Party. But but I must say that I totally agree with you <laughs> about the, the, the importance of James' book, absolutely. But uh, again, I mean, my, my, I, honestly, I don't have much to say about uh, politics in Britain. He, he, he knows much more than that and he's been involved in, into it, you know. So I think that he's, he's the one to speak about this issue. So, um, well, I, I promise I didn't plan to ask that question. Thanks very much. Um, uh, so if, yeah, if, if Jeremy hadn't been elected leader of the party in 2015, obviously things would have been different. I think what was going on at the time was there was a, 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 a search for some kind of outlet for anti-austerity uh, sentiment. And I think if it hadn't found its place there, it would have found it in a, in a different formation. There are a whole load of different movements that were springing up. So we would have had something, but it wouldn't have been, I don't think it would have been as mass. I don't think it would have been as normal. I don't think it would have um, cohered in, in such a way and would have advanced us um, so far. And I think, um, I mean, you're, you're, you're right. The thing that I'm uh, uh, trying to do is to show how the various forces that were brought together, either because they were already previously organised or because they were newly brought into politics, people that were newly brought in, um, in the Corbyn project, can find a new formation. You know, we had one formation, that was what happens when we have the leadership of the party. And, you know, most things are, are, are trained on that because we've got a very clear strategic horizon. Now, uh, you know, we have to come to find a, a, a different formation. And I think, um, you know, one big thing that has happened in the last two years is that progressive opinion, socialist opinion, left opinion, has been chased out of the public sphere. You don't, you know, you saw, you heard people say left-wing things on TV and radio to some extent for a four-year period, and then that's been uh, that's been shut away. I think the only time when that can come out 
is when uh, movements and, and activists do real world things. So we had 48 hours of, our, of um, Mick Lynch dominating the airwaves and speaking total common sense and the overwhelming majority of people who listen to him think, oh, this guy's great, who's he? That's because a real world thing was happening. As in, they were, they were on strike, there was a real struggle which had to be reported so he could, he could claim airtime. And I think that's, you know, we need to keep on thinking in the majoritarian ways that we were thinking, or when we were at our best, when Jeremy was the leader, we were thinking of, um, but now trying to hold together the, these different things, exactly as you're saying, in a, in a non-sectarian way. And on the, on the evolution where it goes, um, without totally spoiling the ending, the last chapter is, is four possible futures, four little histories of the 2030s written from the, oh, sorry, of the 2020s, written from the perspective of 2030, where the same strategy is pursued, but the point is there's contingency. You know, we, what well, I certainly wouldn't be sitting here talking to if a man called Eric Joyce, who was a Labour MP, didn't punch another Tory, didn't punch a Tory MP because he was drunk in a bar in Parliament in 2013. So, you know, the contingency really matters. And my, you know, that's my point about the Labour Party, yes or no. We can't know. We can't know exactly how the future is going to unfold. What we can do is strengthen our forces where, where we are, try to knit them together, try to get beyond uh, traditional left sectarianism and uh, I think that's the best way we can build a kind of mass movement and movement and that will get political expression in the same way that there was this um, it, you know um, uh, amorphous force that was seeking a way in to find political expression prior to 2015. For example 50,000 people joined the Green Party in the weeks before the 2015 election. That's part of that same set of phenomena. Then because things are the way they are, they won't stay the way they are, and that will get some, you know, that will get some political expression, and we'll go again. But it'll be a different formation. It won't look the same. Um, but we should learn the lessons from before. Thanks for listening. To find out more about London Review Bookshop events, visit LondonReviewBookshop.co.uk/events.